the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host, and today's a special day. I am live from the Long Beach Rescue Mission, and uh, I am excited to be here. It's always so much fun to just see the great work that God's people are are doing, especially in a time like this where homelessness is such a big deal. This is uh, incoming mayor, Los Angeles mayor, Karen Bass, speaking about her first priorities of homelessness uh, when she takes office. Well, on day one, a, a message is what people will hear. But I will lay out a 100-day plan, and that 100-day plan will involve identifying some of the most challenging encampments around the city and getting those people housed. I think it's critically important that people visibly see a difference. It's not just enough to tell them that something happened, that something has changed. They need to be able to see it, feel it, and touch it. That was Karen Bass, who is talking about her 100 days, first 100 days. She wants people to see a difference in homelessness, and uh, so she plans on, I guess, clearing out some encampments. But I wonder where those people really are going to go. I suspect they're just going to go to another encampment. And um, I'm hoping that that's not the case. We're rooting for her. We're rooting for anybody who wants to do something. But as we've talked about on our program before, one of the reasons that homelessness is getting worse in California is because the programs that we're promoting and that taxpayers are paying for don't work. And we know they don't work. And they don't work because they don't get into the major issues of people's lives. There's a whole lot of different reasons for that. But there are many programs around who do work, and in particular, our rescue missions are doing a fine job. Today I mentioned I'm at the Long Beach Rescue Mission, and sitting with me here is Jeff Levine. He is the executive director of the Long Beach Rescue Mission. Jeff, welcome to Southern California Live. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Scott. We're excited to be here and appreciate you taking some time to visit. Jeff, it's great to visit. It's great to see your facility here and uh, the hard work. And, you know, we have this skepticism. I play Karen Bass, and I am hopeful as the new mayor of L.A., and I realize we're in Long Beach, but we're all part of the, the county, right? The county of Los Angeles has one of the worst homeless uh, problems in the country. And there is, I think, a legitimate skepticism about politicians and what they think they're going to accomplish if they don't change the ultimate method for what they're doing. One of the great things about the rescue mission is that the method here has a lot of success stories, and we're seeing recovery. We're seeing God do some great things. As the director here, you've got quite a story yourself. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? How did you end up here being the executive director of the Long Beach Rescue Mission? And uh, where did you start out? Yeah, so uh, I've been connected with the mission for 16 years. Started here when I was 25, back in 2006. Had no ministry experience, but I had a story. I uh, grew up and uh, we, we lived in you know a pretty poor family. And my dad was there, but he wasn't there the way I needed him and mm. so growing up the youngest of four learned to walk fast talk fast and so by the time I was 11 years old I was ar- already experimenting with drugs walked in on a neighbor that was using meth I wanted to try it so I tried it and was hooked 
At 11 years old. Yeah, so mm. for 12 years, uh, I was addicted to meth. I went from smoking it to snorting it towards the end. You know, my dad had died when I was 17. He had a heart attack, and as a drug addict, you just press deeper into your addiction. And so I was shooting up. I remember laying on my bed one day after I had shot up and, and praying very honestly, God, I just, I don't want to wake up. Mm. I'm so thankful that he didn't answer that, that prayer. Um, because as he was at work in my life, he really started to develop in me a sense of uh, just hunger for a relationship with him. And I got to a point where I wanted a relationship with him, but I didn't know how to stop yeah. using. Now, can I ask you this? Did you grow up in the church? I like you, you, you leaned out to, reached out to the Lord, so you had some idea yeah. of what direction you should go. But you obviously, at least since the time of being a little kid, yeah. uh, you weren't walking with the Lord. Tell yeah. us, so you grew up in the church. And I think I that's did. important for our audience to hear. Is yeah. that we're not just talking about people who just had no relationship with God, who didn't go to Sunday school. Yeah. You did. I grew up in a small Southern Baptist church in Lakewood, and uh, they joke that my baby booties could have been bronzed and put up in the nursery. And, like, it, so many great memories. But I remember specifically when I was seven years old, standing outside of this small chapel with Pastor Harold Hambly and holding hands with him and praying to receive Jesus as my Savior. Hmm. And I was baptized shortly after that. And I think... I understood the gospel. I didn't understand the commitment that God was making to me. Mm. And so when I went sideways, he, he didn't leave me. And he relentlessly pursued me throughout that addiction. I mean, I was kind of a buzzkill to be around because whenever I was high, all I could think about and talk about was God. And whenever I was sober, all I could think about was getting high. And so, again, it, it, I'm so thankful for the grace of God in my life that when I got down on my knees and floor in my room, 19 days from today, 19 years ago from today. It's 19 years ago today. Congratulations, Thank by you. the way. It's a special day. It is. Uh, an important is. day. Yeah. I, I got down on my knees. I asked Jesus to come into my life to break the strongholds that had bound me. And uh, it wasn't a shiny white light experience. I, I got up off my knees. I went to bed that night. I woke up the next morning. I started reading his word. And I've done that every day since then. And you know, I'm not perfect, but I'm not who I used to be. And the only account that I can give for that is that when I called on the name of Jesus, it changed my life. I think that people listening, one of the things I want everybody to to hear in the story is that there is hope. So many people, whenever we do the topic of homelessness, we'll get calls of people who are so worried about their kids or yeah. their parents sometimes or sisters or uh, you know their siblings, cousins, whoever it might be, and it's so easy to want to give up hope. Yeah. Uh, yours is a story of hope. Your personal story is a story of hope. Yeah. And now you get to be at a place where you're offering a story of hope where there's a lot of hopelessness. Like I said, we're, we're not, I'm, you know, there's not a lot of hope in the politics of homelessness, yeah. at least here. So tell us about this. So you've been sober for 19 years. You, you dedicated your life back to uh, the Lord. What happened uh, over time that ultimately led you into this ministry? Yeah, so as I got involved with Bethany Church, um, been connected there for 20 years, they knew my story. It was a church that provided community of uh, believers who supported me, who held me accountable, encouraged me. I got involved with their missions team, uh, led a short-term trip to inner-city Chicago, went to New Orleans, helped with the Katrina relief effort, mm. and one of the board members on the missions board was also on the board here at the Rescue Mission. Okay. And they said, hey, I know your story, and I, I think it would intersect well with the people that we serve. You should pray about getting involved there. And I did. I took them seriously, and I started praying. And so I came on staff part-time as a chaplain working in the evenings. And then 2007, I came on full-time. 
uh, started attending Biola University in 2008, and so it was really beautiful. I got to work here full-time and go to school part-time, and everything I was learning here I could bring to the class, and everything I was learning at school I was able to bring here. And, uh, yeah, just continued to progress. I was the program director the last four or five years that I was here, and was on staff 12 years, and then in 2018, four years ago, God called me to go be the lead pastor of Bethany Church, which... Um, was just a, a wonderful, I love my church. Yeah. And, uh, and then this year he called me back. So you, uh, when you're listening to Southern California Live, I'm Scott Furrow. Our guest is Jeff Levine. He's the executive director of the Long Beach Rescue Mission. And uh, we are broadcasting live today from the Rescue Mission in Long Beach. So it's uh, great to be here with you, Jeff. So Jeff, you ended up being the, the lead pastor at your church, where you'd been for a long time, a church that invested a lot in you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's amazing to hear your story about how the Lord never left you. I think that's something else people need to hear. Yeah. You know, a lot of people that you work with who are homeless, not everyone grew up in the church, but many did yeah. and have not understood that God is still there. Yeah. And you have that great thing to, to offer. So you became a, a lead pastor. And uh, how long ago was that? That was 2018. So 2018. Here we are four years later, and you're not in that position anymore. You're in yeah. this ministry. How did that come about? Yeah. So um, when I left uh, the rescue mission to go be the lead pastor, I came onto the board of directors. So I remained connected to the rescue mission. I really wanted my experiences, organizational knowledge to remain within the ministry. And so the position opened up last June. And I honestly didn't feel any release from my calling at uh, at Bethany, and and so started helping with the interim process, doing operations and program. And at the beginning of the year, really started to sense that God was tugging at my heart. When I would come here to serve, there was just a peace and and great clarity and vision. And when I'd go to the church, it started to feel a little bit fuzzy. Mm. And uh, and I remember I had a dream, and somebody asked me about the rescue mission, and I said. When I'm at the mission, it's like breathing. I've grown up here, you know, yeah. and, and so I started to feel really turned over. I felt like I was betraying my church for even prayerfully considering it. And by February, I'm reaching out for prayer and just, you know, I had one, one pastor, dear friend, Eric Marsh, he prayed, I pray that God would give you freedom to explore this, freedom and, and peace. And when he did that, it was like I was able to set down all of the emotions and just honestly seek the Lord. God, is this what you're calling me to do? And through circumstance and through people, there was just incredible affirmation that I was supposed to walk this process. So let the elders know, uh, you know, this is what I believe God's calling me to do. Went through a national search. After uh, 30 candidates, I was selected in May and started full-time back here in June. And then you're here and you can breathe in ministry. That's right. Right? That's right. You know, I think God does call us to different things. And, and that's a great way to look at it. I tell people all the time that if you're frustrated somewhere in ministry, maybe God wants you to persevere. But maybe you're frustrated because God is calling you somewhere else and you're yeah. not listening. Yeah. Right. And uh, so God's calling you here. You're at the Long Beach Rescue Mission. And, you know, tell us how things are, are going here. Tell us maybe what your, your how the rescue mission here in Long Beach works. It's, um, you know. How big is Long Beach as a, as a city? What si What's the size of the community that you serve? You know, I don't know the population. I know that right now there's approximately 3,200 people experiencing homelessness in our city. Just in Long Beach alone? Just in Long Beach alone. Right. Yeah. So we are 156-bed shelter for men, a 50-bed shelter for women and children. 
sometimes I get asked why so fewer beds for women and children. And these buildings were built in the 80s, and homelessness looked very different. They didn't think that mm -hmm. they'd need more than 50 beds for women and children experiencing homelessness. And so one of the visions that we have that's starting to you know, come into reality is we're going to build out another 50-bed shelter for women and children. And uh, we're hoping to begin construction on that in 2024. And then another challenge that we've experienced, so when these buildings were built, they didn't have the same ADA requirements. So we only have two beds that are downstairs for people who have disabilities. So if you can't get up and downstairs, you know, those two beds, um, if we've got guys in the one-year program, we have to turn people with disabilities away. So we own a strip mall on the corner of Pacific and Anaheim. Mm -hmm. and we've got construction plans. We're in talks with the city. Probably about four months we'll start here in Hammer Swing, but we're going to convert it into a 15-bed shelter for men with disabilities. And God has already provided in incredible ways. We had a donor come forward and commit $300,000 a year for the next three years to cover the operating costs. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. What a blessing that is. You know, I think in, in all of the things that are going on with homelessness, so 3,200 homeless here in Long Beach alone. There's over 50,000 homeless in Los Angeles County, just Los Angeles County. So not even uh, the other surrounding counties, yeah. even here in Southern California. We haven't even talked about San Francisco. I thought it's interesting that you said that in the 1980s, this seemed like there was plenty of beds. Yeah. And, you know, now we're looking at people think it's so small. Yeah. And that shows how in, in a generation yeah. we're not doing well on this issue, are we? No. And I think one of the, um, I don't know that we talk about it enough, is homeless prevention. Yeah. Right? So if, if we are able to get upstream, get into homes, right? We've got generations of kids that are growing up and they're having kids and you've got single parents trying to raise their kids. And, you know, that experience, if we're able to get in the home and teach them how to lovingly support their kids, break some of those cycles of dysfunction and addiction... Yeah, you know, my fear, and uh, you know, it's it's bad right now, right? Nobody's yeah. going to question that homelessness is a, a serious, serious situation for us. Ten years from now, the effects of the pandemic and the mm -hmm. closure of the schools, we are going to see an increase in mental health. We're going to see an increase in substance abuse and alcoholism because these kids who school was a refuge because there was abuse taking place in the home, now they're locked in their home with their abuser. They have no access to counselors or teachers who would be able to identify that abuse is taking place in order to disrupt that. We're going to feel that 10 years from now. Yeah, and that probably means from a statistical standpoint, we're seeing these numbers come out about just even education and how far behind people are. You know, if you're not getting educated and if you're in a position where maybe there's abuse, but maybe you just get into a situation where there's drugs and other stuff, the chances of homelessness go way up. Absolutely. Right? So we're, we have a generation that uh, has more to overcome than even the one before them. Yeah. And, you know, I, you go back to the, the topic of hope, right? And when I started here, there was nobody beyond the reach of the gospel. In my mind, it didn't mm -hmm. matter who walked through the door. I knew that if God could transform my life, then he could transform anybody. And I think that there's still hope for our communities, and I think that's the importance of allowing our light to shine and, and to demonstrate our love for Jesus through our good works to others. He says, you know, this is how they'll know that you're my disciples, by your love for one another. And I, I think there's opportunity within the church to be extravagant in our grace and extravagant in our love in the way that God has loved us. And I think that's what we're called to do. 
And I want to talk about that here in a second. You're listening to Southern California Live. My guest is Jeff Levine. He's the executive director of the Long Beach Rescue Mission. And uh, by the way, we are giving away uh, Johnny Cash movie tickets later on in the program today. So stay tuned for tickets for Johnny Cash, The Redemption of an American Icon movie, which is next week, Monday through Wednesday in a limited engagement. I'll tell you more about that later. Uh, I'm here with Jeff Levine again from the Long Beach Rescue Mission. Jeff, you uh, talked about your, you grew up in the church. You had a drug addiction, started at age 11, and you've now been sober for 19 years. You went into ministry. You went to Biola. You became a pastor. Now you're the, the lead of the rescue mission. You get to see the church in action. Do you feel like, you know, what, what would you say the church could do better in this era, area? Or where can we get maybe more excited or more involved as churches? My, my thought is that Maybe a lot of the reason that the governmental stuff's not working not only is philosophical, but it might also be, you mentioned the home needs to, we need to prevent homelessness. We have to have more impact in the home. What can the church do? Because I think this is the church's wheelhouse, right? This is where the church has the impact, the ability to make a long-term difference. Yeah, one of the things that, um, you know, is true of our ministry, we don't receive any government funding. So we're all supported by believers who share our vision or even non-believers who believe in the work that we're doing. And so I think, you know, recognizing these organizations that specialize in the work and making sure that they're, they're funded, that they have the resources that they need in order to do that. But I think, you know, as serving as a pastor for the four years and seeing the political divide and what took place at the election and seeing the response to the pandemic and the division that existed within the church. Right. I, I'm, it, there was a moment where I felt so disenchanted where I, I was just like, wait a second. We're supposed to love one another. We're supposed to be characterized by our love. We're saved by grace through faith, not saved by grace through faith and you vote this way. We're saved by grace through faith and we recognize our utter sinfulness and the extravagant grace that we've received. And I think if we begin to lead with love, lead with an extravagant love that that people are going to respond they're going to see christ in us and it makes it attractive we talk about you know being led forth with an aroma of life you know you come to the rescue mission and there's some aromas right (laughs) but there is something about the experience of love where i come here and there are people that i've known for 16 years still living on the river and they see me and they light up yeah and it's because they know that doesn't matter what they've done doesn't matter where they've been they are fully loved and fully accepted by me and i think that's where for the church if we could fully love others and fully accept others the way that god has fully loved us and fully accepted us and all of our brokenness i I think that'll that'll change the world i think that god's doing that with his church in the same way that we talked about how it turned out that god had never left you yeah in all that period of time I think we need to have trust and faith that the Lord has not left the church, right. his bride, yeah. that even when we have gotten off track and throughout history, the church gets off track. Totally. I mean, it's remarkable, yeah. honestly, that the church has been successful in making disciples of Jesus. And it has when you it's so easy these days, I think, to criticize the church. Yeah. Right. But who really is making an impact with homelessness in our city and cities across the country and the world? Yeah. The church. Absolutely. Who invented hospitals? The church. Orphanages? The church. Who's still doing all of that? The church. Who still does it better? The church. And who I think is being called to turn this around, this trend that we have where we think our shelters are too small all of a sudden when we think they were too big. It's the church that's going to do that. I think God is putting us there. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Yeah, and what a great opportunity to demonstrate our concern for the most vulnerable of our community. And I think this was born, so 50 years ago, this is our 50th anniversary, Wayne and Janet Turley, the founders of the mission, they were walking around downtown, and they saw people experiencing homelessness, and they began to pray. Mm. And God spoke to their hearts, I yeah. want you to create a space where these men can come. And so it started with a 40-bed shelter for men off of Ocean Boulevard and continued to grow and to expand. And I think if we pray... God speaks to us. We, we can discern his voice. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. And I wonder if we're busy about things that aren't eternally significant. Right. And, uh, you know, being able to come here and it's, it's, uh, it's life transformation. It's life change. It's the power of the gospel. You see it. You see it in action. And I want to encourage people, you know, if you, you hear a broadcast from the rescue mission, if maybe you're thinking, I don't know if I want to go down there. Maybe I think it's scary. Maybe they think, you know, I you you heard Jeff Levine, our guest here, he's the executive director. He talked about how being in ministry, you feel like you can breathe. Yeah. And I'm telling you, it's life-changing even for people who come and volunteer. Yeah. It's people who decide, you know what, I'm going to support rescue missions financially. I'm going to support the Long Beach Rescue Mission finance. It's life-giving. You feel like you can breathe because you see that the Lord is really doing something. Um Jeff, we're going to have you on in the next hour, and in the next hour, we're going to talk a little bit more about some of the uh, uh, internal things that lead to homelessness. We haven't talked a lot about that on our program. It doesn't get a lot of press, but it's so important, so I want people to know about that. We'll do that in the next hour. Uh, In the meantime, what are some ways that people can connect with the Long Beach Rescue Mission? Yeah, so if you visit our website, www.lbrm.org, you can find out ways to volunteer. We've got some great events that are happening. We do a community toy drive and we give toys away to the kids that live in this neighborhood 45 percent of the people that are housed in this neighborhood live below the poverty level Mm. they experience food insecurity even though they're housed and for many to come in to receive a gift is so special so if you want to bring a new unwrapped gift to 1335 pacific avenue uh, we'll get that into the hands of a kid who's going to be so blessed by that we've got volunteer opportunities and you can find that on our website and opportunities to donate as well so that we can continue this good work that website again for the long beach rescue mission is lbrm.org lbrm.org and if you're out shopping uh, this weekend and you're you're buying toys you know what pick up something for a homeless kid you mentioned and we'll talk about this later you know we're there's families there's kids yeah. in any any uh, rescue mission there's families and little kids yeah. and uh, it matters a lot and to to be thinking of them jeff thanks for uh, being with us we'll be uh, with you again a little bit later in the program today and uh, when we come back we're going to uh, hear a story from somebody who is here at the rescue mission these stories are so inspirational because i think there there is so much hope when we trust the lord for our lives and we see actual life transformation yeah that's what we see when we're followers of jesus christ that he really does change our life that he really is living and active uh and his word is and it's life-changing jeff thanks for what you're doing here at the long beach rescue mission and we'll see you shortly you're listening to southern california live i'm scott furrow we'll be back as the friday edition of socal live continues This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Text Scott right now in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. The visible issues of encampments and homelessness and street behavior and drug use appears to be worse than ever in many places around the state. What do you say to voters who feel like this is not getting better? They're right. It's, it's an outrage. It's unconscionable what's happening on the streets and sidewalks. 
That was Governor Newsom in a debate last fall talking about homelessness and uh, how it's getting worse. And we've been talking about that on our program today because we're broadcasting live from the Long Beach Rescue Mission in Long Beach, California, naturally. And, uh, you know, one of the things about doing this, one of the things I think that's exciting about doing a broadcast from here and talking about homelessness from this angle is that we get to see hope. And instead of political wheels spinning and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars, billions of dollars, actually, that's being spent and the problem continues to get worse because it's not being spent in the right way. And we've talked about that in some detail. We'll talk about that a little bit later. One of the things that's a problem, though, is that it's not spent in directing people towards recovery. There's lots of philosophies like harm reduction and some other things that are about keeping people from extra harm while they're doing drugs, but they do not encourage people to get over addictions and actually recover. And at places like the Long Beach Rescue Mission, they don't take any state funding. And the reason they don't is because if you do, if the rescue mission were to take funding from the state and if they were to dip into the hundreds of millions of dollars that are available every year to organizations, they would not be allowed to teach the gospel. They would not be allowed to hand out Bibles and they would not be allowed to have a philosophy that says, we want you to become sober and get back into life and to create a system that helps you do that. It's, it's controversial, but the reason that there is so much hope here is because they follow Christ because we believe and the rescue mission believes that Jesus Christ changes lives. With me is somebody here from the rescue mission. His name is Ricky. Ricky is the bridge coordinator here on staff at the Long Beach Rescue Mission. Welcome to Southern California Live, Ricky. Thank you, Mr. Ferraro. Glad to be here today. It's great to have you here. Tell me what a bridge coordinator does. I mean, Long Beach, there's bridges. Do you like do the draw bridges and all that? Seems like a funny thing for the... Well, I wish uh, I could make bridges, (laughs) but uh, my role here is to help graduates achieve two main things. One is to uh, gain uh, employment and to uh, find uh, suitable housing, Yeah, amongst other things. But those are the primary uh, goals that we look for with our graduates. And tell me what a graduate is at the uh, Long Beach Rescue Mission. Well, as a graduate, you, uh, it's a new life program. It's for 365 days of uh, work activities, uh, various uh, programs and courses that you undertake uh, while you go through the program, once you successfully uh, complete the uh, 365 days, you become a graduate and you enter into the bridge program okay. in which I'm uh, responsible for. And you help people uh, get and maintain jobs. Yes, sir. Getting out. And uh, your director told me there's a pretty good percentage of uh, people who graduate who uh, maintain their, their job and their place to live. Afterward, pretty high percentage. Yes, sir. Not only uh, maintain their job and, and find... Uh, suitable uh, housing, but their recovery is also important. Yes. That they maintain their recovery. And all of that is uh, accomplished by uh, staying uh, connected with the source that uh, helped you. Not only God helps you with uh, maintaining your sobriety, but also the uh, people in the company that you uh, are around, mainly with the Long Beach Rescue Mission. Yeah. Ricky, tell me your story. How did you uh, wind up ultimately in this position? But you've got quite a story to tell. I do, Mr. Farrell. Uh, well, um, I didn't dream about coming here. Um, I started out, uh, I came here in 2019, so I've been here about three years now. When I came here, I came here um, suffering from alcohol addiction and marijuana, and I was a degenerate gambler. Mm. And all those things sort of messed up my life. I allowed it to. I got out of control. And uh, I found myself needing help. 
I actually arrived here from uh, Seattle, Washington. Um, when I came here, I was looking actually for a place to stay. But God uh, saw a different direction for me in that uh, I needed to get my life together, I'd become more well-rounded, have a foundation, and have some direction because, uh, to be candid, uh, my life was pretty scattered. Yeah. So here I found uh, a place to be well-balanced, learn more uh, about what God has to offer for me, and uh, I graduated in 2020. Uh, 2020, and I uh, became apprentice working in the uh, kitchen for about two and a half years. And this assignment or this appointment, uh, the bridge coordinator came up, and the leadership uh, had confidence that I could do the job. Yeah, I, well, that's great. I love it that uh, the Lord used this place in your life. You mentioned that your the addictions that you were dealing with were alcohol, so many people are dealing with. Marijuana, you mentioned, and that kind of gets left out today, doesn't it, mm-hmm. as something that, oh, now that's legal, I guess it's okay. It's not okay, is it? It's. I don't think it is okay, Mr. Furrow, because uh, any addiction uh, that takes hold of you become a slave to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know with marijuana, because I used it to, um, for many, many decades uh, growing up, and it kind of stumps your growth and your ambition. Yeah. Takes away uh, your uh, mental capacity of thinking uh, beyond the box. It just confines you. And that's what uh, a lot of other addictions do for you. And because I used it so much uh, throughout my younger years and uh, with my uh, increased use with alcoholism in my adult years and having gone through a marriage and that didn't work out because of my addiction. And uh, I, it's, it's just not a good thing for you. I think we... As young adults should uh, focus on things that will uh, propel us to do better for ourselves and stay away, even if it's legal, to yeah. stay away from it. I think that matters a lot. I, you know, I think that you know, if we're asking ourselves, you know, is this something that is legal or is it okay? Is it moral? Is it ethical? People might argue about that, but maybe the best question is, is it wise? I don't think it's... Uh, I say, well, one would, would, would respond by saying, well... Uh, Everything is made by God, and it's grown uh, naturally, but it's actually not. Uh, I think that's uh, some kind of uh, a vex or something that's to make you to believe something that it isn't. And people can uh, misuse which, anything uh, just yes. about, right? And, yeah. and you mentioned you had a, a gambling addiction, which I think maybe people oversee that, but here in California, mm-hmm. that's a big deal. People lose their homes with gambling addiction. lose more than your homes. I lost... Uh, a dear wife mm-hmm. uh, who had to end up raising uh, our children. She's a lovely woman. Um, we still have a good uh, understanding. Uh, for now, my, my children have grown, but uh, I've been gambling all my life, uh, starting from uh, as a kid, yeah. just my surroundings. And then as I got older and uh, had jobs and more money, uh, the stakes got higher, right? And when the stakes got higher, uh, what became what was once just like a recreation, it became a part of life. It was, and I hate to use this uh, analogy, but I always do. I enjoyed it more than I enjoyed being with my wife, mm-hmm. and so then I know I crossed the line. Yeah. Uh, so there was no return for me then. I thought. Uh, not that, I've, not that I've arrived 
or overcome. Right. It's just that I don't do it anymore. Yeah. Tell me about your faith. How has God helped you in all of these areas? Uh, without God, um, there is no me. And he, um, I, I constantly study my word. I constantly try to look for wisdom and knowledge and gain some understanding of who I am. And I can only do that to understand who God is because he's my creator. I believe in him. I, uh, my faith lies in him. And what Christ has done for me uh, long before I was born, he did it for, for my benefit. And so I stand on that foundation that uh, my faith is, is, is all in Christ. Yes. Mm -hmm. And in Christ, we have hope and recovery. I think that's such a huge, important message that you have here at the Rescue Mission. Yes, sir. Uh, Mr. Perl, um, without hope, um, I don't think you have any, uh, anything to uh, really hold you together mm. as far as uh, you're wishing upon a star, hoping that I can recover, hoping that I can maintain recovery. But God said you can do all things through him. And he's the one that gives you strength. And he's the one that grounds you. He's the one that can keep you uh, whole. And my recovery, everything that I do today and from the time I came here, I've always known Christ. I've always known God. But I, I chose to run away from him. Hmm. But he's a God of uh, omnipotent and omnipresent. So there's nowhere to run. Right. And so... Uh, he knew that I needed recovery, and he knew that I needed a new foundation, and I can only find that and only gain that through uh, knowing God and allowing him to work in my life and uh, to have my faith in him. Ricky, that is so, um, it is so important for people to hear. Thank you for sharing that. You know, hope is something that when we're just hoping in ourselves, that's not real good. You know, we've all been there in different ways. When we have the Lord, we're we're hoping in a an eternal hope and a God who is with us, who never leaves, even when we leave Him. Never leaves us. And like you said, run. you can't run. He's around. You can't run. I'm so thankful. Uh, I'm thankful, and and I'm thankful for God. Yeah, and Christ. Well, I'm thankful too, Ricky. Thank you for being with us. Uh, my guest is Ricky. He is the bridge coordinator here at the Long Beach Rescue Mission, where we're broadcasting live today. And uh, the bridge coordinator, such an important role. He's the one who helps people who graduate. You mentioned you graduated, so you went through the program. Yes. And the graduation is, hey, you've recovered from uh, the addictions. Now your time. Now it's about getting back into the society and having a job and doing things. And you help people do that. Becoming more self-sufficient, having an awareness of yourself and uh, a destiny yeah. for yourself. Uh, not mm. that you have arrived, right? but that you're on a, a level playing field, a new foundation, and you should be able, a person should be able to move uh, from there in a productive manner. Well, thank you for doing that. You're impacting so many lives, and uh, that is an exciting thing. We're at the Long Beach Rescue Mission. If you want to learn more about the Long Beach Rescue Mission, go to lbrm.org, lbrm.org. They uh, are always looking for uh, gifts and donations, Christmas time, of course, but also volunteers and even your prayers. And uh, for people just like Ricky, thank you, Ricky, for being with us on Southern California Live. I'm glad to be here, Mr. Burrow. Thank you for having me. All right. You are listening to Southern California Live, live from the Long Beach Rescue Mission today. And uh, when we come back, we'll get into uh, the news a little bit and some different things going on in our world today. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. We'll be back as the Friday edition of SoCal Live continues. 
This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. I'm not not sure uh, about a loss of credibility. I mean, I, I think lots of people still pay attention to us and listen to information. I think there's a lot of confusion about whether or not you need a another booster. Um, and I think that it's been particularly hard because we have a lot of folks saying, you know, the pandemic is over. Um, so if the pandemic is over and we're saying, you know, you need a booster, people are saying, well, probably not because there's not as much risk. I do think um, as we've gone back to our customary activities and ways of uh, engaging with others, um, and we've been doing this you know, in this pandemic for many years now, uh, people have also lost interest in following the data on the pandemic. So one of the bigger issues I think we have is that most people are not aware that we're seeing increases in cases, that we're seeing increases in the number of people that are being hospitalized, and that they, you know, this would be the time to take action. That was Barbara Ferrer, the uh, Los Angeles County, uh, what's her title, health advisor, I think is what she is. And uh, she's the one who is uh, making the rules about whether or not you might have to wear a mask. And the uh, current uh, threat is that you may, that she may bring masks back to Los Angeles County uh, as early as the end of next week, maybe. And it may be two weeks after that. It kind of depends. And uh, that's because the cases are going up. She was asked the question by uh, Marla Tellez from... Uh, from Fox 11 News, if the reason that people aren't getting the booster, which is about 16%, and if the reason people uh, may not just be aware is because of a credibility problem with the health department. And so she was responding, and she thinks no. She thinks that it's because people aren't paying attention because they think the uh, pandemic is over. I think it's probably some of both. Um, But what the news is, is that she says she will announce universal indoor mask mandate that could happen uh, in the next couple of weeks. And that when Los Angeles enters the CDC's high COVID category um, in the next couple of days, which is possible, then that could happen. Got any comment about this? You can give me a call here. We're broadcasting live from the Long Beach Rescue Mission today. And uh, we've got some great stories and great things to talk about related to homelessness and the hope that uh, the Lord offers through programs like these at the Rescue Mission here in Long Beach. The number is 888-528-2557. I thought this is an interesting part of the story, though, today, because we may all be putting on masks and having that kind of uh, tension paid. Um, when relatively few people, I'm not saying it's not serious, and I, I understand that if you've got a relative or somebody who has died or who might be sick right now, there are some people who are still dying of the COVID. It's still here. And so I don't mean to belittle that at all. But we're in an environment where there is so much other death and pain and suffering. It's amazing to me how much more time we're spending even with this. Right now, Los Angeles County alone is averaging 2,700 daily cases uh, and eight daily deaths. Uh, for COVID patients. and um, But here's the interesting thing about this. Uh, of the COVID cases that are in the hospital, right now 5.6% of inpatient beds, according to LA Public Health, are occupied by COVID patients. If that hits 10%, that's one of the metrics that might trigger the mask mandate. But here's the other number that matters. The majority of patients are hospitalized with COVID, 37 to 45%. Uh, or 37%, only 45% for COVID, meaning that some people are in the hospital because they have COVID to look a little less than half. Well, the rest of them are in the hospital for something else and happen to have COVID. 
I got a COVID test recently. I've had all this uh, congestion and other stuff going on. I got tested for all kinds of things, the COVID and the RSV and different kinds of flu and everything. I don't have any of it, which is a little disappointing because I got something. I'll tell you that. I don't know what it is. It's going to be the new furrow virus. Next year when they shut us down, it's going to be called furrow 22. And uh, <laughs> we're not, we're not going to shut down, uh, you know, for that. You don't want to do that. Um, 888-528-2557. I, here's what uh, I just think about. As we're here at the rescue mission, we're talking about homelessness. The L.A. Times and other news services just reported uh, earlier this week that over the past four years, five years, Fentanyl deaths, fentanyl deaths have increased over 1,200% in L.A. County. 1,200%. Uh, 1,280% to be precise. That is incredible. Uh, this is a, I think that this is something that is a crisis that right now is worse than the pandemic. I think that it is growing and it's affecting every single people across the country. Now, 70,000 people die from overdoses linked to synthetic opioids every year. And that number has doubled in the last three years. See, and this is something that we're seeing all the time. And in L.A. County, the number of deaths linked to fentanyl rose from just 109 in 2016 to 1,504 in 2021. It was 109 people. In 2016, 1,500 in 2021. I think 2022 is set to to beat that. And we're seeing a lot of fentanyl deaths, of course, with, with homeless people and people who are dealing with drugs. That's why we have programs that are so necessary, like the ones here at the Rescue Mission. But we also see that the fentanyl thing is attacking people of all ages. We have seen uh, an increase in overdose deaths of 12 to 17-year-olds. Um, and of those, 92% of those overdoses are fentanyl. This is something that is so serious. To me, this is the number one health crisis in our county. And something more that we have to do. We're going to have to deal with this. We've got to deal with it in the crime level, crime areas. We've got to deal with it. We're going to have to really ask the serious questions about the border issues. The border issues become things about right and left and but Donald Trump's wall or not to have a wall and, and President Biden's doing something or he's not doing something. And it's very political in Washington, D.C. Meanwhile, these drugs are coming over at huge numbers and we don't seem to be doing everything about it. The police officers who work in uh, the downtown areas where you have so much homelessness and uh, fentanyl, they just say it's being trafficked by uh, people coming over the border, the cartels. They're, they're dealing with this, and no one wants to do anything about it. Uh, and I, maybe that's a, that's a little bit of a strong way to say I think people do want to do something about it, but in order to do something about it, you're going to have to actually make a statement about right and wrong. You're going to have to make a statement about this way of dealing with it is going to work and this way is not. And one of the problems that we see when we're dealing with homelessness and the approach that our cities are taking with it is this approach of what's called harm reduction, where the, the philosophy is, is this is what ultimately leads to uh, open-air drug use places where Narcan is available to protect you from overdose and, and giving out free needles or you know having different kinds of access to drugs or places where you can what they say will safely use drugs. One of the reasons, many reasons this doesn't work, 
one of the reasons it doesn't work is the drugs today, the meth today, the fentanyl that is going on, uh, it just kills you incredibly quickly. It destroys your life so incredibly fast. The, the, the harm reduction started with the idea of handing out needles to IV drug users during the AIDS crisis in the 1980s. And the whole idea was we want you to stop using heroin and we want you to recover from that. But since you're getting AIDS now from using the dirty needles, uh, you're dying of AIDS before we can even help you with the heroin. So we don't want you to die of AIDS before we can help you with the heroin. So it was called harm reduction. We're reducing the harm by keeping you from getting AIDS so that we can help you with the heroin. And it was somewhat successful. The problem is, is that now what we, what we are doing is we are not pushing for recovery so much as that we are just pushing for um, a place for you to stay alive long enough to finally decide whether or not you want to actually get healthy. And this is a a tremendous problem because most people don't. In fact, in some cities, San Francisco in particular, has been basically paying people to be homeless. Half the homeless people in San Francisco come from out of state because they pay you uh, to come and be a part of that. My friends, uh, you know, one of the great things about being in the church is that we have our hope in Jesus Christ. And that hope not only is about everlasting life. That's obviously the big part of it. Okay, every person has an eternal destiny and we want everybody to know the Lord. And that matters greatly. But also knowing the Lord, you find out that you can start to be in the kingdom of God now. And that includes recovery. And places like the Long Beach Rescue Mission help people with recovery and that's one of the reasons we're down here and celebrating with them for their 50th anniversary is that we want people to recover jesus wants people to recover yes ultimately jesus wants people with him he wants them to know him but he also begins that process with recovery right here where we are and that is something really important would you keep praying for this and i think pray for the church that what i'm seeing in our in our government across the country is not a lot of action that is going to stop the flow of drugs, not a lot of action that is going to really help people uh, deal with mental health or deal with some of the other issues that are so prevalent when it comes to causes of homelessness. Um, It's not going to happen and it's going to continue to get worse. The way it doesn't get worse is when the church steps in with both feet and takes care of those people who are hurting and gets involved in the preventative areas. When we come back, I'm going to have our guest. He is the executive director of the Long Beach Rescue Mission, Jeff Levine. And uh, we're going to talk about some of the preventative things that can be done, some of the things that ultimately lead people to homelessness, which the church should be aware of, which all of us should be aware of as uh, we think about those things. So we'll be dealing with that when we come back. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. We're live today from the Long Beach Rescue Mission, and I will be back as the Friday edition of SoCal Live continues. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.